Hello and welcome to episode 882 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, January 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today. It's been quite a while since a solo cast, and I'm excited for this one because I wanted to look at some gems from the steamer projections. They've been out for a little while, been kind of marinating on it, uh, putting together this list over the last uh, week or 10 days. It's been longer than that. I'm just saying I kind of had this idea and I've been marinating on some guys to highlight. And I think I found an interesting group, you know? It, it's always fun to see where projections land on players and you know who the real uh, surprises are. I think, pardon me, I think the last couple of years, uh, Vlad Jr. has been a big surprise for folks that, he, that you know, he continues to get projected very highly. And um, I like the top end stuff like that. But I also like finding guys in the middle or back end that, that the projections really like and, and determining, you know, do I buy that and I want to jump in too? Or is it something I'm like, whoa, that's a little high. Where's that coming from? Of course, I also like to challenge myself or, or you know, look up my uh you know to see if, if my reasoning was right on somebody if i see somebody that i don't agree with i'm like hmm why is this guy so high it, it, am i wrong or vice versa why, why why did he get such a crappy projection am i way off on him and so um without further ado let's just go ahead and dive in i think i've got four hitters and four pitchers i might do another solo uh for the bat x projections which just came out and, you know, if you go on a player page, you can see how they differ from Steamer. Um, the Bad X by Derek Cardi. You know, the two systems take into account different things. They have different weightings. They're not always uh, massively different on players, but they will certainly have their differences. Uh, this first guy I'm going to talk about, they're, they're pretty aligned. Um, but then there's another guy that we're going to get to in a little bit where they've got a little bit of, uh, you know, diversion where the bad X comes out a bit higher. And then another one, actually, I don't know if, the, I don't know if there is one where steamers actually higher on the guy. I'll have to see how, uh, how that goes as we go through, but let's just start. First guy I've got is Fran Mill Reyes guy. I've been a big fan of, so this probably isn't terribly surprising for anybody carrying an ADP of 150 and Steamer likes him to have a huge season that I think would be better than player 150 hitting 261 338 508 that of course is the slash line average OBP slug uh, with 37 homers 98 RBIs 87 runs and a and a steal <laughs> that key steal um, in 631 plate appearances primarily as of course the Cleveland's DH and I certainly Think we could see this happen in fact it's not terribly far off from what he did in 2019 split between san diego and cleveland when he hit this exact same 37 home runs only had 81 ribbies and 69 nice runs scored uh with a 249 average so it's projecting him to do better in all of those categories um which i wonder if they would change now based on lindor leaving that's kind of an interesting thing i will say well, actually, let me look at it before I say this. I wonder, is even, you know, I know Jose Ramirez is still there, but they lost Carlos Santana too. Are they going to bring anybody in? Is even the top of their lineup that good? You know, they're going to get him they have Jimenez and, um, and Rosario going there. I have some interest in Josh Naylor. We talked about him on yesterday's pod, the last part of the outfielder pod. So it's Jimenez, Naylor, Ramirez, 
Reyes projected at the top of the lineup there. I think that's an I, I think those three if Jimenez develops as expected, I think and and it, you know if Naylor is is near where I think he can be and where, where Justin and I feel like uh, he, he can achieve sort of a breakout, that should be enough opportunity for Reyes to deliver uh, on the 98 ribbies. But even if it's closer to 90, you know, you give back eight, eight to 10, say, uh, if he's in the 88 to 90 range, that still works. And that's still worth the pick 150 that Reyes is going at. And I think the the best part of this projection for me, the one that, that stands out, obviously the power, nobody questions that, even though it was a little down in 20, um, of course, you know, two months. He's a career 232 ISO, so the 175 that he had in 20 for Fran Mill Reyes, uh, I think most are believing that that he'll get back to the power that we're used to seeing. But I think the real interesting piece here is the batting average, and that's what I, what I really like here is that they're giving him credit for a batting average I believe he can have. He's a career 263, excuse me. And so that 249 in his full season of, of 2019 did feel low. It felt like it really came in under what Reyes can do. Uh, he only hit 237 with Cleveland after he was traded, and that was in 51 games in 19, and that really that really hurt him. He was only at 255 with San Diego, so he was still going to be, you know, even if he had maintained that, he was going to be below what what, uh, what he's been for his career, but he bounced back to 275 this year, and because he strikes the ball so well, uh, he is somebody that, that can maintain a good batting average along with the extreme power. He also doesn't live in the air with it. You know, he's not somebody with one of those 50% home uh, fly ball rates, excuse me. Uh, if he had a 50% home run rate, that would be awesome. <laughs> but he, he doesn't have, uh, you know, just a ton of fly outs um, and selling out for the power that way. His power comes uh, and he still has, you know, 38% fly balls in his, um, actually, no, excuse me, 33. I thought it was 38 Um so, you know, as long as he's smashing those grounders through for base hits, that's fine. Actually, I would say he could stand to, to boost the fly ball rate a little bit. If he was more in the, I'd say, 37 to 40% range, I'm cool with that. But this this works because he has enough power that when he is hitting it in the air, it's going out. Uh, he's maintained a 30% homer to fly ball rate in 18 and 19. It dipped to 18 and that's why if he did get a few more fly balls, it would it would give him some cover there. But I really like Framil Reyes. I think this is a great guy to pick up. He is UT only, uh, but don't be afraid of that. Don't don't run off from that and and give up value on a on a good player because you're worried about the UT only. I mean, you should be able to structure a draft around taking a UT only at pick 150. Like that's not really too bad to dive in. So that's Framil Reyes. Big fan of him. Definitely will have him on some ball clubs. Another guy I've, I've liked over the years, and, and projections continue to like him because he has not disappointed. He has not been bad ever. That's Jesse Winker for Cincinnati. The problem has been staying healthy. Well, he did in 20. Of course, it was only 54 games because we played a 60-game season. So the fact that you know he played what you could tab as a full season loses a little punch because it was only two months. That's kind of been the issue though 47 89 113 are his games played counts in the three years prior to 2020 but like i said he's never been bad his wrc counts in those years are 134 127 113 and then a 146 this year his best year yet as, <clears throat> excuse me as the power really took a step forward with a 289 iso that included 12 homers consider that he needed 200 more plate appearances 
than he had in, in 2020 to hit just 16 homers in 2019. So uh, a four homer difference in 200 plus plate appearances that that shows you that that right there just shows you where the power jumped up to. But you don't even have to do kind of that that sort of mental math. Just look at the ISO 204 to 289. Now, a 40% homer to fly ball rate says dial it down as far as the expectations. You shouldn't be pacing anybody's two month season. Uh, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show. And sometimes I'll, I'll comment like, oh, you know, if you if you did want to be irresponsible and go because this guy played 81 games and double it, maybe this is what you could look at as an upside. I'm okay with the extrapolation game if you're understanding that it that it's very unlikely to come through. That should not be your expectation. That should not be your baseline. That's where the the extrapolation game gets dangerous, and that's why you have to be careful with it. And you should. And, and, and if you're not good enough, uh, not, that's not the right phrase. But if you're not um, you know, if if you can't make yourself bring it down as far as the expectation and and not use the extrapolation as the the expectation, then you shouldn't do it. But if you can say, you know what, okay, he played fifty four games, I'll triple that in my head here, um, and and then slice off fifteen percent, and that's more of a baseline uh, expectation, then fine. Uh, by the way, that would be 36 homers for uh, for Winker in a full season. We need to get him a full season first, though. Steamer has him only at 19 homers, but in 108 games. So they're still a little bit concerned about his, his health, and understandably, uh, even the bad X, only 112 games. Actually, I don't know if they project... I don't know if they project playing time... Or if he's just going, if Derek's just going off depth charts, what we give him, which is 112 games, it's understandable that you can't really put Winker down for much more than that right now as an expectation. You draft him and you hope, but you should be planning to to cover some time of that roster spot off your waiver wire. But if he does play 145 plus, whew, that could really deliver. At any rate, Steamer has him for 19 homers, 60 ribbies, 63 runs. 275, 375, 477 is that slash line that really entices me and the fact that he continues to perform well. I've said this for a few years now. When the skills are there, I'm going to take my shot on on spiking a healthy season, right? We know certain guys, uh, they, they do have trouble with, with injuries and they do get hurt, you know, multiple years. And it's it's a bummer to watch, by the way, but also it can be unpredictable, the the injury prone guy, quote unquote, can spike a one fifty five game season. Uh, Stanton did it twice, and and then has gone back to having health troubles again. And that's why the whole injury prone tag is one that you have to be careful with because it's it's not really steeped in in a lot of uh, factual evidence. I think Jeff's done some great research on the idea of being injury prone, and it really depends on what kind of injuries there are. Now, if it's a recurring injury that just continues to plague you. Well, sure, then you're going to be injury prone because of your bad back or a bum, surgically repaired knee or whatever the case may be. With pitchers, obviously, their arm, if it's you know the elbow repeatedly, okay, that's an issue. But a guy that has like multiple different injuries, it's not, he's not soft, he's not, uh, you know, not uh, mentally untough or whatever sort of crap people throw around. It could just be, you know, you can have bad luck. It can be chalked up to bad luck. 
some of it can be conditioning for sure. There, there are a lot of different elements. I guess the baseline, the, the bottom line here is what I'm trying to say is there's no one size fits all. And that if a guy has a few healthy, uh, unhealthy years in a row, you can't say injury prone, never tab him for, you know, 150 games. Again, I grant that with Winker, you should not go in expecting 150 games. But if you draft him, by the way, you're pay- you're paying an ADP of 211, so that health is is in the price. So I wouldn't double count that and say, well, no, I won't draft him because he doesn't stay healthy. Well, yeah, because if he stayed healthy, he would cost pick 111, not 211, because of how how good of a hitter he is. But I'm going to take this guy who's an excellent hitter, can take his walks, gets on base a ton, had a power explosion. Even if he doesn't hold all of those gains, he's still a solid power option, um, even in his years previous. And I'm going to hope to get that uh, that big season of health, and then it's, that pick's going to pay off even more. I think even at say 115 120 games pick 211 for his production isn't too bad because you're also thinking about what the roster spot's going to offer because you're going to get that the waiver production too so if it's a shallower league i'm even more inclined to take winker because i know it's going to be robust on the waiver wire to replace him should i have to do so next up is another guy who's actually dealt with some health issues um and also stayed healthy in the two-month season but Again, how much can you put into that when it's a two-month season versus uh, something of a six-month season? And that's Brandon Nimmo for the the Mets. And he put up eight homers, 18 ribbies, 33 runs, because great OBP guy with a 284-04-484 line for the Mets in 55 games this year, but previously had played 32, 69, 140, and 69. I mean, those game totals, I, I can't say it. They're not nice. They're not nice when you're putting up only 69 games. Uh, that one big season, though, he did spike even better than Winker. He spiked a, a healthy season. 140, I know you're still missing 22 games. That's still damn near a month. But 535 plate appearances, that's a nice full season. He went 17 homers, 9 steals, 262, 263, 404, 483. Nice slash line as well. Actually, it matches the 148 WRC plus that he put up this year. So... Like Winker, I actually see these two paralleled very nicely. He's never been bad. Um, I mean, 80 plate appearances in 2016, he wasn't particularly good. There was no power to speak of, so he only had an 89 WRC+. plus. But Brandon Nimmo has never been bad. And at pick 261, I'm willing to take a shot. Yeah, they may sign Springer, but I don't think that's going to hurt Nimmo. I think he would move to left. And then they're waiting on the DH to put Dom Smith in there. Or if for some reason that falls through, because I still fully expect the DH to be in the league this year in the National League, uh, then they'd make a move. But I think they're going to play Nimmo. I think they like him. They love his on-base skills. And that's really a driving factor behind what he's able to do. Steamer has him for 18-63, uh, 85 runs uh, with a 241-377-417 line. So they bring the power down a little bit from 20, 2020. Uh, but that OBP remains excellent. They also bring the batting average down 39 points. He is a 258 career hitter. Uh, he's bounced around last three years, 263, 221, 280. But that's two good years. And then the one off year, the Babbitt was down to 293 when he's a career 339. I I think the 241 is a little light on the projection, but okay, we'll, we'll operate as though that's that's where he's going to be. I still like this line. They give him 623 plate appearances, Steamer does, uh, for Nimmo because they're, they're saying, hey, 
we've actually seen a full season from him, a fullish season. We're going to give him something closer to that. Uh, but I think I think he can beat these projections uh, in both the home runs and batting average. I think if if there's some power gains to be had, um, you know, from going from 19 to 20, I think he can push closer into the mid 20s with his power. Maybe 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 22 to 25 homers. So that'd be a nice little healthy jump. Uh, I'm going to keep him at the nine steals that they have, though. He's not really a great runner. He's 15 for 23 in his career thus far. So nine might even be aggressive. I don't know how much they're going to let him run. I think the biggest concern about the potential George Springer move would be if, um, well, not if, because if they bring in Springer, he's going to lead off. So where would that put Nimmo? Would that put him down in the lower third of the lineup? Not the end of the world because it's a deep lineup, but volume alone does come down. So at that point, you really do need him to stay healthy because one thing that can ha- help, uh, at least with some guys that, that maybe don't have a lot of full seasons on their ledger, is that at least if they're batting at the top of the order, they are getting that extra volume compared to somebody who bats you know, fifth or lower uh, if they're going to miss time. So I I think Nimmo will take that hit if, if Springer comes in, but I still like what he's able to do. And the ability to get on base, he's a run-scored machine coming in that low at 261 OBP, or at 261, excuse me, that would not be a good OBP, at 261 ADP. But I really think uh, that there's a lot to like here about Brandon Nimmo because the price just isn't that expensive. By the way, since 2018, Nimmo is 12th in WRC Plus with a minimum of 1,000 plate appearances. That's premium right there. And I know the OBP is carrying a lot of it, but that's that's what we want. We want guys who get on base. So I don't even say that as a negative. Plus, he has an over a 480 slug in two of those three years. So when you're looking at 18 through 20, it really looks like 2019 is the outlier on that negative end there. And that that 18 and 20 give more insight into who he is. And I think that that's more where Steamer's leaning with him. And, and they're even being a little bit conservative because he had a 148 WRC plus in 18 and 20, and they've got him at 117. So there's some upside to be had here with, with Nimmo as well. Moving on to the next guy. He's, a, he's I'm really, really eager to see where he goes in the spring draft season because Alejandro Kirk is definitely drawing some attention. And this Steamer projection absolutely amped that up uh he came up this year he had a nice little an emphasis on little a nice little debut 25 plate appearances i mean that's that's nothing to, to put any weight into but he did have a 169 wrc plus in that time he came from high a um you know this was this was the crazy covid season and a lot of different things happened a lot of guys getting called up skipping levels he skipped double and triple a and we can't say that he that he, you know, succeeded um, because he had a 421 BABIP in that time too. And it's such a small sample for Kirk. But I think what he did do, um, and and you know, teams are, are careful not to judge on these tiny samples, but I think what he was able to do was give them enough confidence that he may start the season with the ball club. By the way, just to give you an idea of how for lack of a better phrase, meaningless that sample is. He had a four-hit game, and that carries the entire sample for Kirk. Um, but I'm not worried so much about what he did in 20. That's not what I'm basing anything off of. Again, we're looking at the steamer projection, and they love him. 289, 354, 474 is his slash projection. That's a 119 WRC plus with 15 homers, 56 ribbies, and runs, 
and four steals thrown in uh, in 426 plate appearances for the Jays. Now, if you're getting that at pick 287, that'd be amazing out of catcher. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I don't know. That's all, that's all I can say. I, I don't know. Right now, we haven't penciled in as the starting DH uh, with Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire still catching. I think the thing of it is, you know, he's kind of giving me a little bit of a uh, Will and Zestadio vibe, who I was definitely into when, when he came up. Now, we didn't see him play everywhere the way we did uh, with, with Estadio when he came up. But again, it was only nine games. There wasn't enough time to do anything. He was catching and DHing. And in the minors, he hasn't played all that much. So I don't know if he can bounce around to anywhere else. But he's got that sort of cult vibe. The the, the comp uh, isn't so much from uh, the pure skill standpoint because he, he strikes out more than, than Will and Estadio did because everybody does but there you know he doesn't strike out a lot and he's walked more than he struck out and he has built like a fire hydrant like Estadio I think that's where that's where my mind goes to to Estadio that's why my mind goes to Estadio with Kirk because of some of the visual similarities but uh he dominated all of his minor league stops uh, 160 WRC plus at rookie 173 at A and 153 at high A there's a there's just a lot to like here and if this hit tool is as real as it looks i mean it's got a 60 future if he is ready to deliver that with with 50 raw power um i think he could reach these these projections now this feels like an upside more than like a baseline projection but at least the market isn't freaking out and like you know boosting him into the top 200 picks based on this but i do wonder if he's going to move up I think as the winter goes and maybe if, as he hits a bunch of sleeper lists, does he become the proverbial wide awake sleeper where he's on so many lists that everyone's taking Kirk and it's, you know, he's jumped up 10 picks here, 20 picks there, 30 picks here. Oh my God, now he's up 70 picks, you know, and all of a sudden he's going in the early 200s instead of the late 200s. I'm going to be tracking Kirk quite a bit. I think as somebody who drafts in the winter uh, in some leagues, obviously my main leagues are still all going to be in in the spring where when most people's are but i like to get in some draft and holds and some and some 50s and whatnot i think i'm going to get some kirk shares there and then kind of compare that to where his price is going to be in march and if it holds then maybe i get in again but if it if it skyrockets i'll be glad of with what i have and then i'll see where uh, where everyone lets him go beyond that but but steamer absolutely loves him and i'll, I'll tell you that that the bad x likes him too this is one where Steamer is higher, though. 119 WRC plus to the bat X is 114. But 114 is still pretty remarkable for somebody who has 25 plate appearances in the majors and came from high A. So both sets really love him. And I think it's because he doesn't strike out a lot. He can take his walks. And he's been amazing throughout his minor league career. Now, one last thing about that minor league career. It totals about 560 plate appearances. Uh, actually, excuse me. Uh, 619 619 plate appearances in those in those in that minor league sample so basically a full season spread across three levels he's and he went 315 418 500 with 17 homers 101 ribbies 72 runs and five steals that's what kirk's done in the minors and so that's why there's a lot of love for him will the jays play him or does he start in the minors and kind of work his way back up so those are the four hitters fran mill reyes jesse winker brandon nimmo alejandro kirk 
Let's move into some pitchers. You know I love talking pitchers, and uh, I think there's there's another handful of guys here that are, are going to, you know, draw some attention based on their steamer projections. One guy already has a lot of attention. The very first guy here, he's going pick 101. So, you know, it can only go up from here, and I, I think it probably will, again, as the winter goes. People write him up and say, hey, you know, he wasn't amazing in 20. Don't forget about him. And that guy is Jesus Lazardo. Uh, 59 innings in, in 2020, 412 ERA, 127 whip. Absolutely nothing wrong with that with a 24% strikeout rate. That is nothing to, to suggest, uh, you know, he doesn't have it or he was bad. It wasn't like a mega breakout or anything, but it certainly wasn't bad. And I, I really wish we could have gotten a full six-month season from Lazardo because I think he just settled in. And really had um, a nice rookie season. Instead of, you know, he, he throws 59 innings and then we're on to the next year. But Steamer likes him for a 385 ERA and a 125 whip with a 24% strikeout rate uh, in 28 starts. And I absolutely agree that he can do that. And I think that is all right to take at, at pick 101 because there's upside there too. Right? How quickly does he develop? He's 23 years old, really interesting lefty who throws super hard, uh, sits like 96, 97 from the left side, with great slider, great changeup. Um, well, the slider isn't uh, great, great overstating it on the slider. Let me, let me peel back on that. Breaking ball is usable for sure. Fastball changeup is the real combo here. If that breaking ball does develop though, and, and he can turn it into even more strikeouts because he has a swinging strike rate. Uh, that suggests that Lazardo should have even better than the 25% we've seen over his career. 71 major league innings, 25 and a half. Well, we'll call it 26. We'll round up. 26% strikeout rate. I think there's even more in the tank. You know, you're looking at you're looking at 13, 14% swinging strike rates that can deliver upwards of a 28 to 30% strikeout rate at its best. And if he it continues to develop and improve. Maybe he earns that as as the swinging strike rate goes up even more. Had a little bit of uh, home run suppression issues this year at 1.4. Let me let me let me check the game log though because home run rates this year, you always got a game log to just see just see how things were made. You, you know I always recommend that if you've been listening to the show for any time, but you really 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 have to do it with 20 because one bad home run game can set things off. In fact, he had a back to back game uh a couple back-to-back games here against houston and seattle where he allowed five homers and that's five of nine total now in the one game it was two solo shots against houston in an otherwise brilliant outing seven innings four hits two runs on those homers one walk and seven punchies in the next game it was not quite so good four and two-thirds four earned for lazardo on seven hits but no walks seven strikeouts three home runs and so you look at a 1.4 homer nine and you want to panic, I would tap the brakes on that because uh, he didn't give up homers in the minors. In fact, that was something he was really, really good at, 0.6 home run per nine. I don't think home runs are a major issue for him. So that's why I think he can even beat this 385 ERA projection that Steamer's giving him. Uh, just to let you know, the bat has him at 371. I come closer to that. Bottom line though, He's going to be a favorite for a lot of folks. I think this 101 ADP is going to move up. If you love Lazardo, I highly recommend that you jump into some drafts 
in the in the winter here and get him before before it's a double digit draft pick because that's where it's going to be pushing pitching gets pushed up closer we get uh, into the draft season uh, closer we get to the season so once March draft season hits I see him as like an 85th overall type of guy and I'm not saying I wouldn't pay that because I, I believe that he can have a huge breakout I just would want to be. I would just want to be, uh, you know, getting him with those triple-digit ADPs as much as I can before then. Next one. Oh, man, we're going back to it. We're going back to the well. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. I mean, now, I'm not saying I'm not saying draft every single one of these guys, but I have been pretty pretty pro on, on all these guys so far. So may, maybe I am. Let, let's be honest. Maybe I am because um, I looked up and down this list and, I'm 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 pretty keen on all eight of these guys, so maybe I am saying get back on the Kevin Gosman train. Did I ever really get off? No, no. Let's be honest, I didn't. I even took the 5.72 ERA on the chin in 2019, um, but that was you know most of that was with the Braves when he got brutalized. He had he had underlying skills that suggested way better than a 6.19 ERA that he gave up with them. But a 10.4 hit per nine, thanks to a 3.45 BABIP, really hurt him. And then a 1.4 homer per nine. Now, homers have been an issue for Gosman throughout his career. So you can't really give him too much leeway on that with the Braves. Um, it was really the hit rate that felt a little unlucky, especially in regards to the rest of the skills that he had. Um, and, and even the, the ERA indicators are like, okay, yeah, there, 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 was some, there, there was some bad luck mixed in here. Let me see if I can find. Let me find his Sierra real quick. His Sierra with the Braves was 442, which you're not you're not doing backflips for 442, but it is not 621. At any rate, he was then traded to the Reds, went into their bullpen, and really broke through. Uh, had a 403. It also had a little bit of of bad luck there. 403 ERA, 119, uh, 116 WHIP, and again the Sierra says. Uh, that he was better than that 289 on the Sierra because the skills really turned up. Well, then the Giants signed him, and I was like, you know what? They should keep him in the bullpen, either make him a multi-inning guy or their closer. And they said, you know what, Spore? We know way more than you about baseball. We're going to start him. And they were right. They were absolutely right to start him. He put up 59 and two-thirds innings with a 362 ERA, 111 whip, and 32% strikeouts with a 7% walk rate. That's awesome 15 percent on the swinging strike rate was a career best just so much to like out of what gosman did with the giants and likely uh helped by that new home ballpark he got his home run rate down to a more palatable 1.2 that's still on the higher end i don't love it but that's why his era is probably capped um around the mid threes which is where he was you know maybe he can shave it down to like 345 or something but it's hard to really envision a full season in the low threes or even below three because of the home runs. And they've always been persistent with him. And I think even even pitching half his games in San Francisco, it's going to be tough for Gosman to, to really get an amazing ERA until he figures something out there. And I don't know if there's anything to be figured out. If this is just who he is, he's going to give up some... So Solos because if he's not allowing hits and not allowing walks, thankfully the homers aren't going to kill him. But we'll see where he's at. Steamer likes him for a 381-123 ERA whip combo this year with a 25% strikeout rate in 170 innings. 
And I'm in for that. He's with the Giants again. He accepted the um, the qualifying offer. And, and so he's going to stick with them. And if you look since 2018, he's 29th in Sierra. Uh, skills independent ERA, by the way, is what Sierra is. It takes it takes what the pitcher has the most control over and puts it on an ERA scale. It's, it's like FIP. It's it's a more advanced FIP, more advanced FIP, XFIP type, um, and and better to use overall. I believe it's it's correlated more to predicting ERA than anything else. So that's why I like Sierra. And since 2018, like I said, he's 29th at 404. That's tied with Lance Lynn and ahead of. Zach Wheeler, Jose Barrios, and Kyle Hendricks. So that's really, really good for Kevin Gosman. And I continue to love what he's able to do. All right, next up. Okay, this really is kind of playing the hits here. <laughs> next up's Nathan Eovaldi. Um, I, I feel like I should just say next up's Nathan Eovaldi. Give his steamer and move on like... Nathan Eovaldi's been in the league since 2011, and I've not shut up about him since then. <laughs> Look, I, I th this is this is so this is like the the um uh what's what's the word I'm looking for? This is like peak, you know, stick with the talent. You know, the the cream the cream can rise to the top when the when the talent's there and and, and you just need health. This is this is exactly that kind of guy. Um, and I, I still love Yavaldi. And there's been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, he had the breakout 2018. Those of us who've backed him for years were like, yes, finally, this is it. Let's freaking go. It, it culminated with the excellent uh, playoff uh, and World Series a win for, for the Red Sox and Yavaldi. And then 2019 was not only not, not same old, same old, literally his worst season ever. He put up a 599 ERA and 158 whip and 67 and two-thirds. It was like, holy smokes. And he did something he hadn't done in kind of forever. Um, and I say kind of, and I'll explain in a second. He had a 12% walk rate. And to that point, he'd had a career 7% mark with the only time he was over 9% being a 14% mark um, in 2011 when he threw 35 and two-thirds, his, his debut. So... All of a sudden, he loses control of the zone. Uh, the home runs were off the charts at 2.1. Nothing went right for Ivaldi in 2019. Well, then he bounced back this year and got the walks back in place, 4%, 35 even. I, I, I round up, so I got I to gotta be fair. I, I'm not going to just try to make it look better when it when it helps me. Um, I, I round. I think the, the precision of the decimal is completely unnecessary and, and changes nothing. Um, and particularly the reason I, I really don't like to use decimals is uh, on a podcast is we're, we're already kind of listening and, and trying to take in a lot of numbers. I think adding an extra number just kind of muddies it. So 4%, we'll just say 4% walk rate, 26% strikeouts, 372 ERA, 120 whip. Home runs were still there at 1.5, but let me game log it. Let's, uh, let's game log Evaldi here real quick. Should have done this beforehand. Pardon me. And just just see, you know, did he have like one big home run game? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount that that he gave up some homers either. I just want to know what the makeup was. Yeah, he had a three homer game. He had a three homer game, and when you only give up eight, a three homer game is a big deal. And it was getting he got pummeled at at the Yankees. Eight runs, three homers, and five and a third, and and that counts. 
the standard disclaimer, when I'm game logging, I'm never saying it doesn't count. But the reason it, it's important, as far as I'm concerned, and, and why why I've done it for so long is to understand the makeup of, of an ERA or, or batting average or whatever we're looking at. Was it consistent mediocrity or, or poor poor performance? Or was it a bad day mixed around a lot of excellent work? And to be honest, it absolutely was for, for Eovaldi in 2020. That was his only bad start. And, and that was eight of his 20 earned runs and three of his eight homers. So, I mean, that was his only bad day in 2020. And he still had a 372, 120 whip um, despite that. So, I love Eovaldi. I'm sticking with him. He's still only 30 round, 31, even though he's been in the league for 13 years. Just kidding. It hasn't been that long. That was actually a really bad uh, exaggeration because it's actually been close to 13. And, and usually when you when you do an exaggeration, you should go well beyond the number. I think it's actually he's been in the league for 10. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, 10 when you consider that he missed 17. So that was a really dumb exaggeration. I should have been like, he's been in the league for 35 years, which would be older than he is. But I botched that one. Sick joke, Paul. Sick joke. Anyway, Steamer likes him for a 409-125 ERA whip combo. And I know an ERA that starts with four is never really going to get you going too much. But the simple fact is, that's useful in a lot of leagues. If you're in a 10-team league, you're not looking for a 409 um, ideally, you would you would spot start that a little bit and shave it down back under four. But in 15-team league and even 12-team league, if, if the strikeout rate is where it can be for for Eovaldi, um, and he's getting, well, he's not really going to be on a great team. I was going to say if he's getting dubs on a good team, I don't think Boston's going to be that good. Uh, but let's say you know, he's getting a good strikeout rate, good whip. You can eat a little bit of a higher ERA. Um than you would normally want in, in like I said, a, a, a 12-team league. You know, 409 is toward the end of your rotation, but that's where you're drafting him, too. So it really doesn't matter. 240 is his ADP. He's 18th in RA9 war, um, uh, Eovaldi is. Now, I didn't put – I messed up here because I didn't put a time frame on that, and I don't know if that's since 18 – I imagine it is because why would I do just since 19 when he was so bad in 19? I will tell you that since 2018, he has a 399 Sierra. Um, and I just gave you that that uh, that Gosman had a 404 and that put him 29th, which means Eovaldi is higher than that, you know, better than that. So he's probably top 25 in uh, in Sierra since 2019 with a 399 Sierra. The skills are there. It's that simple. 23% strikeout rate and 17% strikeout minus walk rate in 227 innings since 2018, even with the crappy 2019. It all comes down to health. And that health issue is in the price tag. I say it again like I did with Winker. I, I, I repeat myself on, on points like that, but that's to drive it home because it's important. Because too often you hear, no, I don't want to draft Evaldi, he gets hurt. Again. If he didn't get hurt, he'd be costing 60, 70, 80 picks more. That's in the – you can't use that as – if you just don't want to draft any potentially injured pitchers, then you should get in a hitter-only league, you know. Um, he has had more than his fair share of injuries, but I'm still going to take a shot on Eovaldi. I think the upside is still uh, quite nice. 
I feel like I could still get, I could spike a, a you know, a 350, 115 with a 28% strikeout rate. Like that's not like a, that's like a really everything coming together. Excellent type of season over 30 starts for Evaldi. Now that's not an expectation. I'm not seeing that happening this year, but that's still in the, in the realm of possibilities. And it's not even like a 5% possibility. Um, he just needs to stay healthy. And, and that's a big, that's a big need. That, that's a big if, but uh, I still love Evaldi. The talent is, is too much to pass up there. Now for our deepest, Deepest cut in the group here. Kirk was the deepest one for hitters at 287. But this next one is going way deeper than that. And uh, Steamer says, wow, we really like him. Now, I will say, this came out before a couple things happened. And you're going to understand right when I say the name. But what what I will say, though, is this isn't pushing me completely off this guy because there's still potential for a spot. And that's for Adrian Morion for the San Diego Padres. Now... They probably projected him for over a hundred. Well, they only put a hundred three innings. Never mind. Never mind. It's not like it's not like they had him down for this uh, this insanely long season, and then they get uh, they get Snell and Darvish, and now all of a sudden he's not going to have innings. Plus, with the injury to Clevenger, Morion still has an angle on the f- on the fifth spot. It can still go Darvish, Snell, Lamette, Paddock, Morion, and in fact, I think that that is where it's going to go. And so I like him as somebody who can get that fifth starter's role. He debuted in 19, only got eight innings, uh, didn't go particularly well. And then this year he got 19 and a third more, and it was uh, whatever. Like the skills were excellent, 32% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate. But he allowed 3.3 homers per nine, and that that tanked any semblance of a, of a good ERA. Thankfully, he stranded 92% of his runners. So he still had a 466 ERA despite that, that home run rate. But again, we're not, we're not putting really any stock into uh, 19 and a third innings one way or the other, whether it was a two ERA or a six ERA. You, you don't want to be getting hung up on what somebody does in 19 innings. What I will say, though, is that the 22-year-old left-hander is remarkably talented. Remember, they they had these guys coming up, and it was uh, Patino, Gore, Paddock, Morion, like a four-pack of just awesome uh, that they that they've got on the horizon. There, those are the four that are supposed to be the game changers. Okay, well they traded Patino, Paddock's come up, and and he's already he's doing his thing. You know, he, he, he came back to the pack a little bit this year, but he's still very good. Gore didn't get called up. And we were all expecting at some point this year, maybe in a six-month season, he eventually would have. But uh, there was still a lot of opportunity for them to give him a shot, and they decided not to. But Morion's now been with the big league club for a little blip each of the last two years. They're saying, okay, you know, just get a little taste here. I think this is the year that the reins come off a little bit, and they let him do some things. I'm looking at I'm looking at 125 to 130 innings. They got him at 103 here. Um, they're being a bit more conservative with Steamer. I respect that. I'm thinking that he can go even higher than that, though. Uh, but even if it is closer to one 103, which is what they have, 110 area, 374 ERA and 128 whip with a 26% strikeout rate, that's going to provide some some real value. Now, this is one where if you are in a shallower league, you're either going to have to have a deep reserve or just kind of keep them on, uh, on, on your watch list for waivers. Like 10-team... I can't really draft Morion. I mean, his his ADP is 440, so you know he's not even going uh, in 10 team leagues. But 12, 
I think if I've got seven reserves, I could consider it. And then 15s, which are kind of my wheelhouse over the last few years, uh, definitely still drafting him. And then, of course, the 50-round draft and holds are exactly where I want him. So I'll definitely be taking him in those. But Steamer loves him. I mean, a 374 ERA uh, projection for somebody who's had such a small sample of work and is a 22-year-old on the rise, that's expressing a lot of confidence in him. And, you know, he's got the big swing and miss. He works 97 from the left side on average. He can touch triple digits. He's got he's got the secondary stuff with a slider curve and split finger. You love to see three different secondary pitches from such a young arm uh, with the changeup. The splitter where it works as his changeup. That being a, a plus pitch. In fact, all four of his pitches got a 55 grade. Uh, in, in his prospect report when when he was listed as the fifth best prospect for the Padres coming into 2020. So there's so much to like here about Morion. I think he's been a little bit overshadowed by Gore and Patino, and, and, and then, of course, Paddock breaking out uh, in 2019. Now that, that space has been cleared a little bit, uh, it's just Patino that's left, but Paddock's now kind of established. So as far as like the next wave, it's really Morion and Gore. And Gore still is drawing more attention. He's, he's got the higher upside. He gets, he gets higher ranks in prospect lists. But Morion is is still a an excellent prospect that has a lot of potential. And maybe we may be a year early. Steamer might be might be giving him a little bit of love uh, a year too soon. But I think at this price, I'm willing to take the shot that I could spike something big. And then if it happens to be a year too soon, you'll probably know pretty quickly without taking too much damage, and then you can kind of move on. Uh, but I really like what uh, what potential Morion has and what he can possibly deliver. So, you know, two youngsters, two veterans with Lazardo and Morion on the younger side, Gosman and Ivaldi more established, but all four really capable of doing some big things here. Definitely, definitely, definitely going to have some Morion shares. Actually, I'm going to have shares of all four. Lazardo probably be the lowest. He's the most expensive. But the other three I'm going to have on teams. By the way, I don't think I mentioned that Gosman's a, a 128 ADP. But that's moving up, too. So he might actually be closer to Lazardo uh, come draft season than he is right now. Let me check if he's been moving up. Well, he has an interesting split. And I'm looking at the, the drafts. It's 63 drafts since since um december 1st let me let me tighten the window real quick because he had a 99 to 180 min max that's a huge split i don't know if he's going 180 in many leagues actually you know what i mean it might have just been one league but even still it's happened uh whatever that league was i i narrowed the window to since january 1st which is 13 leagues that that 180 came within those 13 leagues so he can still fall in a draft gosman can but he's as high as 99 there's a lot of love out there for him i could see him inching up i don't know that he'll get as high as lazardo i still think he'll probably be in the i think his peak is probably still the early 100s whereas like i said lazardo is more of an 80 to 85 range i think that's where he's gonna land but um yeah i, I just like i like this whole group here it's an interesting group i thought that uh I would have maybe a little bit more trepidation with some of them. It turns out I, I, I could see myself drafting all eight of these guys on different teams. Kirk's probably the one I'm, I have the biggest question mark about just because is the playing time really guaranteed? Uh, do they want him? Because if they want him to be a catcher long term, I don't think you can have him, you know, 
full-time DHing or anything. Plus, they've been in on everything so far and kind of come in second place. You know, they offer, they made an offer for Lindor. Um, they, they missed out on DJ LeMahieu just now. Are they going to get George Springer? So we'll see what they do. But again, this Fran Mill Reyes, Jesse Winker, Brandon Nimmo, Alejandro Kirk, Jess, uh, Jesus Lazardo, Kevin Gosman, Nathan Ivaldi, and Adrian Morio. There's your eight steamer sleepers, or, or, or not sleepers necessarily, but interesting steamer projections to look at for 2021. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back Tuesday with Justin. Until then, peace. <laughs>